This ABA Journal podcast is brought to you by Westlaw Next, building on the strengths of Westlaw to bring you the next evolution of legal research, their most significant innovation in 30 years. It's a complete research system that gives you confidence you've found the most relevant information, and it elevates productivity with intuitive workflow tools. Learn more at westlawnext.com. This is Richard Brust, editor at the ABA Journal in Chicago. And we're talking again with Mark Walsh, our freelance writer at the Supreme Court, covering the confirmation hearings of Elena Kagan for Supreme Court Justice. And it's the day after the entire hearing, and uh, there was a long night last night of witnesses. Tell us about some of the witnesses that you thought were the, some of the more interesting people to testify before the judiciary uh, it took them a little while to get to their panels of witnesses, which are a tradition of, of the Supreme Court confirmation hearings. The Democrats uh, brought on some some individuals they believe have, represent uh, the result of the activist court, what they believe is the activist court under Chief Justice John Roberts. Uh, that includes Lily Ledbetter, the woman who was at the center of a this, discrimination case, uh, gender discrimination case uh, involving Goodyear uh, Tire and Rubber Company that Supreme Court ruled she could not pursue her claim because it was time barred and Congress ended up uh, overturning that ruling uh, uh, early in the Obama administration. She was also present last year for Sonia Sotomayor's confirmation hearing and a couple other people along that line. The Republicans, who, who several of whom were hammering Elena Kagan on the issue of how she handled military recruiters while she was dean of Harvard Law School, brought uh, uh, three uh, either uh, current or retired members of the military who didn't necessarily go to Harvard. Uh, they, these three did not, but, but were there to say that they did not believe that uh, Kagan handled that uh, with respect or with complete regard for the law, young military uh, veteran of Afghanistan named Captain Pete Hegseth made made an impression with just his testimony about uh, he had in fact gone to Yale as an undergraduate and uh, Yale evidently does not permit reserve officer training corps uh, units right on its campus, but students who wish to join those units can go to a nearby college and. Uh, but just uh, how, how he felt in uniform at, at, at Yale and sometimes getting what he believed was disrespect by professors or fellow, fellow students. The Democrats also brought somebody on themselves. Somebody's name was Kurt White. Uh, right, and that also a young man, a veteran of the Army National Guard, or, and he's the current president of the uh, Harvard Law Armed Forces Association, which I believe that's the veterans group who, for a time under under Dean Kagan, was the sponsor of military recruiters when, when uh, Harvard Law School did not permit its career services office to participate with the military or have the military. So Captain White testified that he felt, uh, you know, he was personally welcomed to the campus by Dean Kagan. Uh, who went out of her way at a at a public uh, ceremony uh, to acknowledge service and, and just believe that he that she has uh, complete respect for the military and just you know, with a disagreement over the don't ask don't tell policy and, and law. 
How, how did the how did Mr. White how did he compare against the witnesses that the Republicans brought out, uh, military witnesses? Did they seem to be balanced in in the different ways they presented uh, Elena Kagan? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, he was one person to on this on this particular issue to counter three invited by the Republicans and the the, the three veterans who uh, on that side and the Republican side. Uh, had poignant stories to tell and had some some perhaps points that they scored in, in terms of criticizing uh, Kagan. But uh, part of this, I think, whole issue comes down to, you know, do you believe that that Kagan was was completely against the military and her role as as dean, which I don't think that case was 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 made. When you you know look into some of the fine points and whether. Uh, she was. She and the school were trying to skirt the the so-called Solomon Amendment for a time, where Republicans um, probably have you know have some are a little a little stronger stronger ground. Mm-hmm. Some of the other uh, witnesses that testified last night. You had mentioned uh, one uh, commissioner, Peter Kersenow. Yeah, Peter Kersenow is a, a Washington lawyer. He's a member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. That's the panel that was created under the 1957 Civil Rights Law. But he was there to testify, uh, you know, personally in his personal capacity, and to hammer <laughs> Dean uh, Kagan uh, and Elena Kagan for for uh, what he perceived her to be his, her views on affirmative action, based on some memos that turned up before the hearing, including one while she was in the Clinton White House. Uh, involving a, a complicated affirmative action case involving a school district in Piscataway, New Jersey, that, uh, without going into the whole history of that, and was was uh, involved uh, the school district laying off a white teacher to preserve the job of a black teacher in one of its high school departments, uh, inciting the need for racial diversity, and this became a very controversial case during the 90s, and, and quite t- took a while to resolve. And at one point, uh, Kagan just did, jotted something down on a memo written, prepared by another government lawyer, to s- suggest that she agreed that uh, with with what this lawyer was proposing, which was that this kind of uh, layoff based on race was not really defensible, but that that there were some other considerations about how far to take the case, and, and uh, so he really hammered her on that, and and that, and another case that he cited. Uh, he believed were were uh, evidence that that uh, a justice Elena Kagan would would might be on the Supreme Court looking for racial engineering and and to support all kinds of race based preferences and whatnot. Very interesting. Well, the hearings are over, at least this part of them. What is next on the schedule? Yes, as we uh, draw to drew to a close last night. Uh, Chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont, was was actually no no longer there, and I don't know what he had to do, but he he was gone, and he he usually provides little updates of what will happen next. But it is believed that uh, the Senate is in recess next week for the the July Fourth holiday. It is believed that in the week after next, the week of July twelfth, there's a good chance the Judiciary Committee itself will meet to vote on. Uh, nomination of Elena Kagan. 
there's always a period that right after the, the hearing where there's going to be some exchange of additional information and so forth, uh, but, but that the committee should be ready to vote then by mid-July, and then the Democrats hope to you know, move that to the floor and, and, and get a floor vote on Kagan by the end of July or perhaps very early August, looking like she is on her way to confirmation. I guess that was my next question. Do we see that there's going to be a whole lot of uh, objection to to her from the Republicans on on the floor? Well, we uh, actually yes, because um, despite uh, the fact that you know several of her toughest questioners on the Republican side kind of lauded her for being a little more forthright than Sonia Sotomayor, or or a better witness, or however they perceive it, um, there are still strong suggestions that that most Republicans will probably vote against her. Some of the factors are that politics, of course, uh, they, they don't necessarily want to be seen as aligning with uh, President Obama. It is an election year. Last year, Sonia Sotomayor was the first Hispanic uh, nominated to the court. That was a factor for some Republicans uh, choosing to vote for her. The, the question is how many Republicans might vote for her. Probably a handful she is expected to win right. win victory, but not in a grand bipartisan fashion. Well, Mark, it's been a pleasure to deal with you over the last couple of days covering the Judiciary Committee, and we at the ABA enjoyed your, your hard work, and we look forward to more of it down the road. Thanks again, and, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to touch bases with you again soon. Well, thanks, Richard. I, I enjoy these. We've had, you know, two years of of confirmation hearings. I, I I covered the court, so I'm not sure I want to see anyone else leave the court real soon. Uh, so I won't necessarily wish for that, but uh, but I, I do enjoy the process. And, uh, and but it makes for in, it makes for interesting news. We can always it, say that it does. This ABA Journal podcast was brought to you by Westlaw Next building on the strength of Westlaw to bring you the next evolution of legal research. Their most significant innovation in 30 years, it's a complete research system that gives you confidence you found the most relevant information, and it elevates productivity with intuitive workflow tools. Learn more at westlawnext.com.